Welcome to the Naked Truth. Peace to you. Let's pick up where we left off in the Old Testament. It's the book of Leviticus. That's the third book in the Bible. And we're at chapter 23. We're going to begin with verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, so as always, since it's a Monday uh, and Wednesday reading, today's Wednesday, we're um, in the Old Testament. That means we aren't going to see any red letters. And just in case you don't know what the red letters are in the Bible, the red letters represent the quotes attributed to Jesus. And it turns out the whole Bible isn't Christian teachings. Only six books in the whole Bible have anything that has those red letters. And those don't appear until the New Testament. And that very first uh, verse and the Lord spoke to Moses. Moses is the Ten Commandments, Moses, who is referring to. But um, if you go to the red letter teachings in the New Testament, an example that contradicts that, which you have to reconcile if you're a Christian, is the book of John, chapter 5, verse 37 says, And the Father himself, this is Jesus speaking, it is red letter, and the Father himself, who sent me, has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. So how can both of those be true? Unless Jesus is just talking about specifically specifically the crowd that's around him right there, right then and there, um, it doesn't make sense that um, he would say at any time that people have not heard God's voice or seen his form. When we've read about people here now in just this book of the Bible, Leviticus, um, each chapter seems to start out with the Lord speaking to Moses. But even before this book in the Bible, we had we read about someone wrestling with the Lord and even beating the Lord in a wrestling match. Uh, how can that possibly be true? If no one's seen his, heard his voice or seen his form, and if, and that's if Jesus is talking about in any time, meaning past, present, or future. And if you're not talking about Jesus saying, if you don't want to hang on that one, then go with the John chapter one, where it says that um, no one's seen, heard his voice, or what is it? No one's seen him, or no one's heard his voice. No one's heard his, no one's heard the Lord's voice. How can both be true? Unless there's a device being used, perhaps that we don't know, don't understand, don't isn't mentioned. Just like when you say you may have talked to your mama, you might have talked to her on the phone. You just don't mention that it was on the phone because it's so common. So maybe there was a device or maybe there's some intermediary like an angel speaking or crystal ball or hearing a voice out of the 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 air or something like that that's not explained but it just doesn't make sense that you have the lord having conversations with moses and then in the new testament um what we just read but reconcile it however you can i'm just reading what it says verse 2 speak to the children of israel and say to them the feasts of the lord which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations these are my feasts so now the children the congregation the children of israel as they're called here um are about to be told which days are their basically their holidays festival days feast days verse three six days shall work be done but the seventh day is the sabbath of holy of solemn rest a holy convocation you shall do no work on it it is the sabbath of the lord in all your dwellings so that's the remember the sabbath and keep it holy was one of the ten commandments um it's being reiterated here and um jesus sort of affirms this one but then he lets us also know the sabbath was made for man and not man for the sabbath so we shouldn't be bending over backwards to make sure we keep that commandment 
even if it means letting someone suffer who needs your help on that Sabbath, who needs your uh, assistance, your food, a healing, a miracle, who needs you to intervene for them on that Sabbath. You shouldn't say, oh, well, I can't do that. It's my day of rest. It's the Sabbath. I, have to, I can't do any work on that day. Uh, like Jesus says, if your pet, if your uh, goat, your sheep falls into a pit on the Sabbath, won't you immediately help it? So, of course, you're supposed to do the same thing for humankind also. But religion will keep people from doing exactly that, following a letter of a law and ignoring the heart of the law. Um, but uh, take it how you will. We're just reading it. Verse 4. These are the feasts of the Lord, holy convocations which you shall Proclaim at their appointed times. So the first feast, the first um, declared holy day is the Sabbath. That's every week, that one day of a week of the week. And we don't have a beginning of time calendar to know which day actually is the seventh day. We only have what's written here and in other sources as far as what we can figure out what uh, the calendar actually would be from the start. But while we're on the subject of the calendar, we've already read that you're not supposed to say any other Lord, any other God's names. Um, and yet the calendar itself, the days of the week, if you say them, you're profaning that, you're breaking that commandment because those are named after other gods. And I say gods with the lowercase g or with the quotations because they're who different people identified as God, just like we recognize, um, or just like we went over in the last reading about um, the whole Bible being inspired by God. And I believe that means people and it's not written that that's the case because the bible wasn't even compiled at that time the compile the bible itself is the, those 60 plus books but they're not all written by one person they're written by many different people over many different years in some cases over millennia so it's not like one person sat down and wrote the whole thing that's not how it happened at all but i do believe in each instance of each of the books like the book of leviticus with which, which is within the book of the bible and it's only call um we call it leviticus and we call it the old testament but that's not what it was always known by that's not what it's known by universally but just for reference sake that's what we're calling it so um it was written by some people and um and um oh, lost my point there what was it there um oh oh so yeah so as far as the days of rest so we don't know when that first day was and if you're gonna say the days of the week you're offending in that command not to even use the name of other gods thursday for instance named for thor friday for instance named for another goddess named freya and again if you're pronouncing those wrong or any of these names wrong forgive me it's how i understand them to be pronounced the point being if you're um how can all of those possibly be from the same lord god when um, they're not consistent and not forever or from generation to generation perpetually like some of them claim to be but reconcile it however best you can verse 4 these are the feasts of the lord holy convocations which you shall proclaim at their appointed times so now we're getting into what those high holy holidays are verse 5 on the 14th day of the first month at twilight is the lord's passover so the first holiday feast day is the passover and we read about the passover in the last book exodus of how the people were rescued from um slavery in africa where they were where they were for four centuries four plus centuries 
Um, so that's the first thing to celebrate that you were rescued from slavery. Verse six. And now that I think about it, um, the U.S. has had black people. It's been about 400 years, maybe just over, just like the Israelites, since black people were brought as slaves to the United States. Not immigrated here, brought as slaves here. The descendants may immigrate here from other countries, but the descendants of slaves weren't immigrants. They were brought here as property. Verse 6, And on the 15th day of the first same month as the Feast of Unleavened Bread, to the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. So that's uh, to remind them uh, that they were slaves at one time. They were enslaved people at one time and they were delivered from that slavery even though since that deliverance we've seen different regulations laid out for how they should own and treat slaves. If you believe that's from the same Lord who would deliver and declare and demand people be set free from slavery, then turn around and tell you how to enslave people. Again, believe that if you want to reconcile it however you can. It just doesn't make sense to me. But so the first thing is the Passover and um, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And that's because when the people were delivered from that slavery, it was in haste. There wasn't time to let yeast rise and make yeast to make the bread rise or anything like that. So it was basically flat bread, pita bread, uh, naan, if you want to think of that, something that isn't a risen bread. It's not a loaf of bread like Wonder Bread because there was no time to let the bread rise. They were rescued from slavery in that instant um, after all those different plagues to rescue them. Verse 7, on the first day, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. So the holy convocation is a holy gathering, um, basically like a church revival where you um, gather together and recognize the reason that they're doing that you're doing it, having the gathering. And um, and it says no customary work. So the same Sabbath law applies to it where you're not allowed to do any work on that day. Verse 8, well, you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord for seven days. The seventh day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. So it doesn't say whether that offering made by fire is one of the ones that gets burnt till its ashes or if it's one of the ones where a memorial portion is burned up and the rest basic, basically serves as a barbecue meal for the people offering it, namely the priests. But sometimes the people also take part in, I'm guessing in this case, since it's considered a congregational holiday, um, it's offered for the people to also take part in and eat if they're ritually clean to take part in it. Verse 9, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, get over that, um, verse 10, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land which I give to you and reap its harvest then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest so um it's talking about the promised land israel palestine that area of the world now um that they're being according to the narrative escorted to by the lord guided to there by the lord and now they're being told when they make it there when they do finally get there so remember, they wander around in the wilderness for like 40 years, uh, a tithe of the whole time they were in Egypt. Um, but once they once they get there, they're supposed to also 
do certain things with that. We saw where they're supposed to let the land lie fallow and not reap the harvest of it for like three years or something like that. And then they're allowed to take part in it. Now they're being told that um, once they do reap the harvest, that they're supposed to bring the first fruits of the harvest to the priest. That's um, in modern terms. I mean, I don't see um, any farmers doing that, although they may not be of the same religion, but um, I don't even see them doing the crop rotations and letting the crops just sit there either, like we read about in previous in the previous chapters. Um, but if they are being faithful to this, that's what it's telling them they should do. And um, that the first fruits, meaning the uh, first harvest that they get from that land, um, has to be offered to the Lord, to the priests. Enriching the priests, in other words, maintaining uh, the providing provisions for the religious arm of their congregation. Verse 11, he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. So I'm not sure what they mean by waving it other than, I guess, like lifting it up ceremonially, um, symbolically offering it to the Lord in that way. But that's what they're supposed to do. Wave it um, to the Lord. Verse 12, you shall offer on the that day when you wave the the sheaf, a male lamb of the first year without blemish as a burnt offering to the Lord. So the without blemish means um, perfect, physically perfect, you know, not missing any parts or uh, imbalanced features. It has to be physically perfect, has to be a male and um, in the first year. So it's probably pretty tender. It's not some tough old goat. It's a tender lamb. And that that's what's being offered um, or used as a sacrifice to make an offering to the Lord with the sheaf offering that gets waved. That means like a bundle of the grain. Like if you think of, you put a bunch of straws together and a rubber band around them, that would be a sheaf of rubber bands. It's basically the same thing, a sheaf of whatever um, grains that they're gathering, probably wheat and stuff like that. Verse 13, its grain offering shall be two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, an offering made by fire to the Lord for a sweet aroma, and its drink offering shall be of wine, one-fourth of a hen. So I don't know what these measurements are, but um, that's the measurements that they used back then, and that's what they're being told the offerings need to be, the proportions of them. Um, let's see, verse 14, you shall eat neither bread nor parched grain nor fresh grain until the same day that you have brought an offering to your God. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. That means they should still be doing this in modern times. It says forever and throughout gener your generations. So and we've read that same sort of uh, phrasing um, before in the Old Testament, meaning if they were doing them back then, they should still be doing them now. And like I've said again and again, I've never been to any church to do any of these things. Although these are specifically for this branch of that religion to still be doing. And I've never been to one of those uh, synagogue or temple in honesty. So maybe they do do that in their um, worship. I would think some of my Jewish friends would have told me that, that that's part of the worship. But maybe it's a private thing that they don't share. Um all those, I don't know. 
I don't know, I, I, I really highly doubt that people are still doing this for the most part. I'm sure some place still does throughout the world. Places do still do this throughout the world. But I don't think this is the what American Jewish people are doing in modern times. In fact, when Jewish people I know talk about who are trying, who do these, who are not just Jewish by blood, but actually Jewish by in their worship, um, when they say sacrifice, that means they're not going to eat the things. Um, so that means they will abstain from eating a goat or a cow rather than um, making sure that, that um, their sacrifice is giving up eating it rather than sacrificing the animal itself. Uh, that seems to be their modern um, interpretation of it. And that's, I'm not speaking for all, just saying from the people I've known who uh, are um, of this religion. Um, but so um, they're being told that they're, this is what they have, this is how they have to handle the grain offering and in particular for that first feast or that feast that's being mentioned. Verse 15, and we're moving on to the Feast of Weeks now. And you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. So basically 49 days or seven weeks. After, so after that first offering, you count that time, and let's see why you count that time. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. So I think that's called Pentecost. 50 days later, that's when you make the um, new offering, the new grain offering to the Lord. So you did the first one with waving it and the dead goat, and now you have, or sheep or lamb, and now you have. A second one, 50 days later, that um, you offer a grain offering to the Lord. Verse 17, you shall bring from your dwellings two wave loaves of two-tenths of an ephah. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven. They are the first fruits to the Lord. So, uh, the, they're offered, so they'll be... Um, They'll face the fire, but again, that doesn't mean necessarily that they're going to be burnt to a crisp. That could just mean they're put in a fire oven to be baked and eaten. Since remember, we just read in the previous chapter that um, these offerings, some of them anyway, are the priest's food. So it's not like it's just going to be burnt to ashes, all of them. So, and that's what it sounds like here. It's sounding a lot like a menu um, that of what the priest want to have um or are are to have for their for these different holidays these different feasts and festivals that are being laid out for the people to make sure they provide those different the different menu items that are being um dedicated to the priests verse 19 then you shall sacrifice one kid of the goats as a sin offering and two male lambs of the first year as a sacrifice of a peace offering. So now you have a sin offering and a peace offering. And that has to be two young goats. That that's what's offered for that one. Verse 20. The priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits as a wave offering before the Lord. With the two lambs. They shall be holy to the Lord for the priest. So notice there is 
to the Lord, but it's for the priests. So it's one more way of enriching the priests, the religious authority authorities that the people are um, going to, looking up to, or following. Verse 21, And you shall proclaim on the same day that it is a holy convocation to you. You shall do no customary work on it. It shall be a statute forever in all your dwellings throughout your generations. So again, if they were doing it back then, you're supposed to be doing it now. And um, so you have those holy gatherings, wave the the lambs and the the grain offerings, and then um, they get cooked and eaten. Verse 22, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, when you reap, nor shall you gather any gleaning, gleaning from your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the stranger. I'm the Lord your God. So there the people are being told to remember the poor and the stranger. And to not just penny pinch and grab every single a bit of grain that gets harvested that year. Leave some of it for other people to sustain them also. Including the stranger and the poor. Which, again, if you can look at how the COVID pandemic hit and what churches were doing, and I say churches, I mean, generally speaking, religious places, how they handled it. They were still collecting the offers and tithes from people and telling people to show up with or without the mask. Generally, they were saying without the mask, the ones that made headlines. And they made headlines because many of them dropped dead. Uh, they caught the the disease and it killed them. And in some cases, their congregation also caught it and died for just following blindly rather than um, using their heads. Verse uh, 23, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, so another message for Moses. Speak to the children of Israel saying, in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. So that one kind of sounds like a party. Once you've counted, uh, gotten to this point in the calendar year, the um, it's they're blowing trumpets and having another holy gathering. Verse twenty-five: You shall do no customary work on it, and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. So that's called the feast of trumpets. Another occasion for them to make, for the people, for the people to gather together and make an offering by fire to the Lord. Um, verse 26, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, so now we're getting into what's the day of atonement and its feast, its festival. Verse 27, also the 10th day of this seventh month shall be the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation. For you, you shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. So um, when it says afflict your souls, um, I guess that means reflect on your um, on your actions and critically reflect on them and see where you've fallen short. Recognize where you've sinned and um, and then and make an offering made by fire to the Lord. So it's another occasion where the people are to gather together and make sure they bring their offerings to the priests for the Lord, but to the priests. Verse 28, and you shall do no work on that same day, 
for it is the day of atonement to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. So Christians often say that Jesus completed this as the final sacrifice, final offering to be mentioned, uh, to be made for um, for our sins, which I believe Jesus was did come for that purpose to um, not abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Um, but at the same time, these are statutes laid out forever from generation to generation that, that they're supposed to be doing it. So maybe specifically the religions of, or this particular religion of the Old Testament is to still be doing these things for their to make atonement for themselves. Um, but many Christians believe they're uh, or at least rationalize it as no, 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 it's not forever. It's a foreshadowing of what Jesus is going to accomplish as the the Christ as the savior which again i believe that's exactly what he did, what Jesus role included paying for the sins as the messiah as the Christ as the anointed one but it isn't exactly written that way at least the part about the animal sacrifices and whatnot so at this point they're still being told that that's how they paid for their sins through that day of atonement so i guess it's not a event by event uh repentance and forgiveness thing like christians generally at least this christian exercises but instead i guess you rack up your sins for the year and then afflict your soul in remembering them and then make your offering of the animal to pay for your sins to the priest to be offered to the priest and burn with fire and again burnt with fire doesn't mean to a crisp necessarily it sounds a lot like barbecue uh, for any person who is not afflicted in soul on the same day shall be cut off from his people. So anyone who's not taking part in that, um, that uh, the, the ceremony of self-examination, you know, recognizing your sin and then making atonement for it through the blood of an animal, you are excommunicated. You're cut off from your people. That doesn't mean necessarily that you can't rejoin them but you don't get to be a part of them um and i'm not sure how that works since only you and god know what sins you're guilty of how would anyone else know that you haven't um made full atonement for your sins by whatever it is you decide to offer or not offer when you show up there um but just reading it verse 30 and any person who does any work on that same day, that person I will destroy from his people, from among his people. So it seems that uh, sounds like the death penalty or at least swift instant karma. If you um, don't take part in the ceremony of uh, avoiding work on that day and afflicting your soul as far as self-affliction and um, following these statutes that are laid out. For the recognition of that holy day. Verse 31. You shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever. Throughout your generations. In all your dwellings. So again. If you were doing it back then. It's supposed to still be doing it now. Verse 32. It shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest. And you shall afflict your souls. On the ninth day of the month. At evening. From evening to evening. You shall celebrate your Sabbath. So again, the days are counted. A new day starts when the sun sets, not when it 
rises by the um by the standard of the Old Testament and the Bible. Um, so it's not the sunrise that starts a new day; it's the sun setting that starts a new day. And when it does, it uh, you're to count there. At least that's how it's saying from evening to evening um, for that celebration, and that it's solemn, meaning it's holy and revered, and um, the people are to be still living by it, doing it. Verse thirty-three. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "Oh, and by the way, I think." The Day of Atonement is like the first week in October, if I remember right, this year. Uh, Verse um, 34. So another message from Moses from the Lord. Verse 34. Speak to the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days to the Lord. So now there's a Tabernacles uh, festival there now. Um, held for a week that people are to celebrate. Verse 35. On the first day, there should be a holy convocation. You should do no customary work on it. So a holy gathering on the first day of that festival. Uh, 36. For seven days, you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day, you shall have a holy convocation. And you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. It is a sacred assembly and you shall do no customary work on it. So that day also excuse me is to be held as um as uh holy and reverent and and that um you're supposed to count the dates from there and make the offerings uh required by it also and have that sacred assembly. Verse 37, these are the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations to offering to offer an offering made by fire to the Lord, a burnt offering and a grain offering, a sacrifice and drink offerings, everything on its day. So the different days throughout the calendar are laid out from the day of atonement to the Passover of what people are supposed to recognize as holy and celebrate um, them. Let's see, verse 38, besides the Sabbaths of the Lord, besides your gifts, beside all your vows, besides all your vows, and besides all your free will offerings, which you gave to the Lord. So you're still supposed to off- make those other offerings also. But then that one day of the year, uh, at that time of the year, you're s- supposed to um, make that offering of sacrifice and praise to God. Let's see. Verse 39, also on the 15th day of the seventh month, when you've gathered in the fruit of your land, you shall keep the feast to the Lord for seven days. On the first day, there should be a Sabbath rest, and on the eighth day, a solemn. And on the eighth day, a Sabbath rest, excuse me. So, um, when it says the, um, what was it? Oh, so um, the 15th day of the seventh month. It seems like it's talking about again where you're where they're making the first fruit offerings of the land, where you're making that offering to the priests and then um, worshiping and praising. Verse 40, and you shall take for yourselves of the first on the first day, the, fir- the fruit of beautiful trees, branches of palm trees 
the boughs of early of leafy trees and willows of the brook and shall and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. So that brings to mind the um Palm Sunday as it's called, where the people did that for Jesus and laid out the um palm branches for the donkey Jesus was riding on to enter the city and pass through while throngs of multitudes of crowds cheered him on and uh, celebrated him. Let's see, verse 41. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a statue forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it on the seventh month. So again, if they were doing it back then, they should still be doing it now. And on the seventh month, it's not the same calendar, so I'm not sure exactly which month that is. Um, let me see. There's Probably Cyan. Um, well, I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but... Um, it seems that they have to, those are the days that are being laid out for them for these different feasts, festivals, holidays, and when to celebrate them. Verse 42, you shall dwell in booths for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths. So sounds like another peculiar um, commandment for the people that they have to dwell in booths for seven days. So I, do people keep tents handy in their houses so that for seven days they leave their house and go dwell in a tent? Um, perhaps this was, it says they're supposed to be doing uh, dwelling in a booth. Verse 43, that your generations may know that I made the, the great, that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I'm the Lord your God. So it seems the message, um, the reason for, <clears throat> excuse me, making the people live in booths is so that they don't forget where they came from, that they were once enslaved people and they were brought out by great signs and wonders. So to keep them humbly, humble, basically, make them live in booths for a week or for a time period. Um, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths, yeah. And uh, when, uh, when I brought them out of the land of Egypt from the Lord your God. Verse 44, so Moses declared to the children of Israel the feasts of the Lord. So Moses, it seems here, got the commands of when to have those feasts or holidays as we call them, those sacred assemblies for the people throughout the entire year laid out according to their calendar of when they should have them. And um, that looks like that's the end of this chapter. So that's the end of this reading. As always, I appreciate you checking it out with me and hope it's a blessing for you. Past readings are available here on Anchor and Spotify while they last. Or uh, if you're an adult, you can go to my website, hungtgirl.com, and click on the links there to hear the past Naked Truth readings of the Red Letters, since I identify as a Christian. And I feel like Jesus gets the last word since he has the title of Christ. Why would you give that title? Why would you give that authority to anyone else? 
Um, you can get a subscription, make a donation, or just enjoy the free content by clicking on the pictures. They're free videos. Enjoy. I thank you for that. God bless you for that and for joining me now. Stay safe and God willing, I'll see you next time. Thanks again. Peace be with you.